Turn your Bible, please, if you will, to Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4. <clears throat> These are the words of David when he was being pursued by Saul. He said, one day I will die at the hand of Saul. And in his despair, he said these words. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Today we're living in an age when men think mostly of themselves. Very few take seriously the fact related in Genesis that we are our brother's keeper. We go up and down the land and find men and women and boys and girls afraid. As it were, they look on their right hand and on their left and refuge fails them. And they cry out, nobody really cares. Nobody really cares. While I was in the seminary, I worked in a bookstore in Louisville. I met a man on the streets named Henry. I saw him over and over again, tried to witness to him. One day in a department store downtown Louisville, I heard him lean over and say to one of the clerks, it really doesn't matter whether I live or die, nobody will miss me when I'm gone. She tried to encourage him a little bit. I learned later that Henry died and one person attended the funeral. There are a lot of people that have no one that cares. One Christmas Eve, the funeral director called me and said, we have a man that has died and we have to have his funeral tomorrow morning, Christmas morning, nine o'clock in the morning. I went to the funeral. I was to conduct the funeral. There was one person there, his wife, 85 years old. Nobody else. The funeral director came in and sat there so she wouldn't feel so much alone. There are lonely people. There are people that look on their right hand and on their left and they cry out, nobody really cares. Years ago, I worked with the Home Mission Board and I was in Washington State. We were organizing churches, having a Bible school. On the way to the Bible school one morning, we were having it in a public school, passed a little boy, a little Oriental boy, who was selling newspapers. Asked me to buy a newspaper, I did. And I said to the little fellow, I wish you'd come to our Bible school. He said, Mr. What's a Bible school? Well, I said, that's where we learn about Jesus and how to go to heaven. And that little boy looked in my eyes and he said, Mr., who is Jesus? I was in a revival meeting in an Ohio River town here in Kentucky many years ago. One afternoon we went out visiting, saw some kids playing in the backyard and I went back and saw a little guy they were calling Bernie. Bernie didn't have any shirt on, didn't have any shoes, dirty-faced, unkempt. I said, Bernie, I'd like to invite you to our revival meeting over at the Baptist Church. The little boy looked up at me and said, Mr. What's a revival meeting? Well, I said, that's where we learn about Jesus and how to go to heaven when we die. The little fellow said, I don't know who Jesus is. While I was a student at Union University, I served a church in Savannah, Tennessee. 
we were in a revival meeting. I went out to invite people to the revival. Went to one house and a young lady about 23 years of age came to the door. And I told her who I was and I said, I came to talk to you about Jesus. And to want to invite you to a revival meeting. She said, Mr. I'm not interested at all. I don't even care about Jesus. I don't care about your revival meeting and I'm not coming. But she said, if you want to come in, you can come in. Well, I went in, sat down, opened my Bible and tried to show her how to know God. And in the beginning, God created all things. She was unimpressed. I got up to leave. And then she said, to, well, mister, if you could get the meanest woman in this town to come to that revival meeting, I'll come. I said, who is the meanest woman in this town? She said, she's my mother-in-law. You can get her to come, I'll come. She told me where she lived and I drove down the road. It was an old wooden house, hadn't been painted for 40 years. Stopped in front of the house, went up, knocked on the door and a little crack came to the door. I said, how do you do? My name is Richard Oldham from the Baptist Church. Bang, went the door in my face. Stood there a minute or two and left. But God put that woman on my heart. Later in the winter, I went back and knocked again on that door. A little crack came to the door. I saw that old wrinkled face. And I was a little bit brave in those days. I put my foot in the door. I said, I want to come in and talk to you about Jesus. She didn't say a word. Just stepped back. I walked in. There was an old pot-bellied stove with wood burning in it. She and sat in the chair by the stove. And I drew up a chair and sat down beside her and opened my Bible. Tried to show her the best way I knew how, how to give her heart to God. How that God could change anybody, no matter what they were like and no matter what their problems were. She just looked at that stove the whole time. Didn't say a word, never said anything. Finally, I got down on my knees and prayed for her, and I left. But I couldn't get her off my heart. Prayed for her over and over again. And in the spring, I drove out that road, and I looked up, and there she was sitting in the swing. Well, I jumped out of the car and got up there as fast as I could. I went over and sat down on the swing beside her and put my Bible in her lap. Her name was Nettie Williams. I said, Ms. Williams... I want to show you about Jesus. God loves you. And I put my arm around her and I said, I love you too. And I want to see you come to Jesus. A few minutes I saw some tears trickle down and drop on my Bible. Just a few minutes. Old Nettie Williams, 83 years living for the devil, gave her heart to Jesus. Amen. Had the privilege of baptizing her in a Baptist church at Savannah. I went on to the seminary. About a year later, the, I'd gone to another church in Guthrie by that time, and, and the phone rang, and they said, Eddie, Eddie Williams is dead. But she left word, asked if you would come and preach her funeral. So I drove the 365 miles down there, and uh, when I got to the church, the place was packed, just packed. People were standing. 
They told me Nettie Williams only had a year to live for God, but boy, she lived for God. She told everybody about the change that came in her life. Her grandsons were there. One of them got saved in that service and the other surrendered to preach. He's preaching down in Hardin County, Tennessee now. What was wrong? Well, that woman didn't have good clothes. She didn't live in a good neighborhood. She was poor. Nobody cared. She had lived all those years for the devil. She looked on her right hand, on her left, and refuge failed her, and she cried out from her soul, no one really cares. I want to ask you, have you ever been in despair over things and you didn't know what to do? How much worse it is to be in the awful despair of sin and uh, lovelessness. And you reach out for somebody that cares and there's nobody there. Thomas Gray was walking through a country churchyard one day. He stopped beside an unmarked mound and with pen in hand he wrote these words, perhaps in this neglected spot is laid some heart once pregnant with celestial fire. Hands that the rod of empire might have swayed or waked ecstasy the living liar. What was he saying? He was saying buried in this unmarked mound is someone that could have been a somebody for God, but nobody got to him. And the graveyards in Warren County and Bowling Green are filled with people who have left this life and no hope and feeling nobody really cared. Who cares if men are lost? Who really cares? David said, I looked on my right hand and refuge failed me. No one cared for my soul. I can tell you some people that don't care. The liquor crowd don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. They just want to sell their beer and whiskey and get people drunk and get them hooked on something that will take them down, down, down to a road of wasted living. The Sunday amusement crowd don't care. Those that go out and play around, play golf all day Sunday, coast down the river on a Sunday afternoon, que sera, sera. Those that sit at home at a God of a television while their church and their preacher is trying to preach his heart out, encouraging people to come to Christ, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Those that miss church, those that read their Bible, never. Those that never go soul winning, they don't really care. You see, if you care, it'll do something inside of you. Love and care move you. When the Bible speaks of Jesus having compassion, it says he was moved with compassion. Compassion is not passive, it's active. It causes you to do something. Who really cares? Well, I'm glad to tell you this morning that the Bible teaches that God cares over the souls of men. If a man goes to hell, he goes over the love of God. The Bible says in the beginning, God created man in his own image. There was no sin there to mar the image of God.
And then Satan came and tempted Eve, and Eve tempted Adam, and they went into sin. And one day God looked over the balcony of heaven and saw that man's heart was just evil, and, and it, was, it was all filled with sin. And the Bible says it repented God that he had made man, and he said the Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. Not always. But God planned a way for man to get back to God. Amen. Someone has told the tradition that when God got ready to make man, the angel of truth came before God and said, Create man not, for when thou hast created him, his mouth will be filled with lies and hypocrisies. The angel of purity came before the throne of God and said, God, create man not, for when thou hast created him, his life will be filled with impurity and immorality. But the angel of mercy came and said, O God, create man, for when thou hast created him, and his mouth is filled with lies, and his life is filled with impurity and immorality, I'll go and bring him back to you. The angel of mercy personifying Jesus the Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God the Father cares. Secondly, the Bible says that God the Son cares. Jesus cares over the souls of men. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus cares. How much does he care? He cared enough to die for us. I would like to bring before you some of those great religionists who have started philosophies that people follow. Buddha in Korea I went to a Buddha temple I wanted to see what this great big Buddha was like behind everybody's down there worshiping ringing bells and giving money and so on I went back behind the Buddha with just an empty shell like a false face Buddha's dead he doesn't care I think of those who worship their ancestors and they go to these little temples or god shelves where they ring a bell and, and they think that their ancestors may hear them somewhere how well, the, those ancestors don't care they're gone but I'd like to bring you to you Jesus today who went to the old rugged cross for my sins and your sins he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there multiplied to me there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary I wish I could bring to this pulpit this morning some of those who knew Jesus in the days of his flesh you know that woman that was taken in adultery she was guilty she was guilty they dragged her to Jesus and threw her down and said now what do you say ought to happen to her Moses in his law said she ought to be stoned what do you say and the record says Jesus stooped down and rode in the sand and then he stood and said, Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. He stooped down and wrote again. I don't know whether he wrote what was in their hearts. All the adultery and fornication was in their hearts. He wrote it all down. When he stood again, they were all gone. Jesus said to that woman, Where are your accusers? She said, No man, Lord. You know what the Lord said? He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'd like to bring that woman to this pulpit today and say, tell me, ma'am, what do you think of Jesus? She would stand here like Lloyd Williford did a few minutes ago and say, 
No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I'd like to bring that thief that died on the cross next to the Lord. He was a vagabond. He was an insurrectionist. He was a murderer. Somebody said murder is a sin you can't be forgiven for. Listen to this. He was a murderer, an insurrectionist, a seditionist. He was a thief. He deserved what he was getting. But in that final hour, he called out, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what Jesus said? Get baptized. Go live a good life. Go join a church. He didn't say anything like that. He said to that repentant thief and murderer, today thou wilt be with me in paradise. That's how much Jesus cared. You see, he paid the price for our sins. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Greatest news the newspaper could ever publish. God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Philippians chapter 2, let this man be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Safe for the ninety and nine in the fold. Safe though the night was stormy and cold. But said the shepherd when counting the more, one sheep is missing. There should be one more. The shepherd went out to search for his sheep and all through the night on the stormy deep. He sought till he found him. With love bands he bound him. And I was that one lost sheep. Jesus cares. This book says not only does God the Father care and Jesus the Son care, but the Holy Spirit cares. In John chapter 16, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of righteousness and of sin and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is like the hound of heaven. He knocks on our door again and again and again. Now listen. Don't ever get upset when somebody comes to see you and knocks on your door to talk to you about Jesus. You know who sent them? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. That's God dealing with you. But I want to show you that He's like the hound of heaven. He doesn't take no for an answer. He goes again and again and again. I want to show you what I mean. How many of you in this room can say the very first time I ever heard about the gospel of Christ the very first time I was confronted with the claims of Christ, I gave my heart to Jesus. Lift your hand. I see one. I see three. Four. How many of you would have to say like I would, he stood at my heart's door amid sunshine and rain and patiently waited an entrance to get me? He talked to me over and over and over. I said no. But he didn't give up. Don't us give up. You find somebody that needs God, they may not even know it, but let's go. 
You remember that man that went down from Jericho, Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves and was about to die? A priest came along, passed on the other side. Somebody else came along, passed on the other side. A Samaritan came along and he reached down and he had to wake that guy up. It's as if the guy was saying, leave me alone, don't bother me. And that's the way lost people are. They don't want to be bothered. But he bothered him. He woke him up, put him on his, on his beast, took him into the city to get healed. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts it in our heart to go again and again and again to bring people. Why does he do that? Because he cares. He cares. He cares. He loves. I think of a mother and daddy who try their best to deal with their son or their daughter, wayward, careless. What mother and daddy gives up? What mother and daddy says, I'm not going to have any more to do with you. You just go and do what you want to do. No. They'll pray for you. Pray for you. Pray for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And then this book says not only does God the Father care and God the, the Son care and God the Holy Spirit care, this book says that God says, it's a way I don't understand, the damned in hell care over the souls of men. And you say, preacher, that's impossible. If you look in your Bible at Luke, the 15th chapter, you'll find the story, the 16th chapter, you'll find the story of a man who died and went to hell. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he saw Abraham far over there. He said, oh, Father Abraham, won't you send Lazarus and me dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue? I'm tormented in these flames. Let everyone in this building who would say, I don't believe in hell, remember you won't be in hell five minutes till you believe in it. And in hell... He lifted up his eyes in torment. And the voice came back from the other world. <clears throat> Between you and us, there's a great gulf fix. We can't come there. You can't come here. And then that man in hell said, but wait a minute. I have five brothers back on earth. Unless they come to this terrible place, won't you send somebody back to remind them? Preach to them. The voice came and said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the Bible. And though one rose from the dead, and came back, they won't believe, and that very thing happened. Jesus rose from the dead, and there are people today that don't even believe that. See, the Lord said that would happen. The damned in hell care over the souls of men. There's not a husband in hell that wants his wife to come there. There's not a mother in hell that wants her daughter or son to come there. There's not a daddy in hell that wants her mother, son, or daughter to come there. There's nobody in hell that wants you to come. The chief emotion of hell is hate. But oh, if they could get out and wave a red flag and say, wait, don't go to hell. Don't go to hell. They'd come back and say that. I think sometimes the damned in hell care over the souls of men more than we do. They care more than we do. They'd come back and do everything they could to keep you out of hell. And we tuck our tail. We go knock on a door somewhere and somebody slams the door in our face. Well, I'm not going back to try to win them to Christ. If they want to go to hell, they can go. God deliver us from an attitude like that. You go and go until God removes the burden. 
years ago, <clears throat> somebody told me about a lady that lived over on Blake Street. I went to knock on her door. She slammed the door in my face. I prayed for her. God told me to go back. I went back, knocked on the door again. A little bit bigger crack, and I talked to her about Jesus through the door. She said, I'm not interested, and closed the door. You said, we ought to quit. Just don't bother them. Incidentally, some years ago, the College Herald ran an article against Glendale because we had kids that were going over on the campus bothering, bothering people about Jesus. I bothered this woman. Went back again. This time she let me in. She said, you're pretty persistent, aren't you? I said, yes, the Lord sent me here to talk to you. He wants to save you. She said, well, I won't tell you I'm not interested at all. Well, I said, I'm interested in you. And I wouldn't be here in this indignant situation with you not even wanting me here if God didn't send me. Well, she didn't know what to think about that. I told her about Jesus and got up and left. That happened two or three times. One Sunday morning in this church, I saw her come in the auditorium. I thought she'd never come. She told me she wouldn't. She came. After two or three Sundays, she walked down the aisle confessing Christ as her Savior. I want to tell you, don't give up. Go, go, go. And then this book says, not only does God the Father care and God the Son care and God the Holy Spirit care, the damned in hell care, but the saved in heaven care. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I tell you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. More than over 99 that need no repentance. Ring the bells of heaven. There's joy today for a soul returning from the wild. On September Sunday morning, a man that we'd witnessed to for five or six years sat on the back row. When the invitation was given, I, I saw him move and I thought he was going to go out. He had done that before. This time he walked down the aisle and all the joy in this church as Orrin Duke gave his heart to Jesus Christ. A little bit later he went to heaven. He was one of our doorkeepers for many years. Changed by the power of God because people had prayed. There are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms we often miss. When we join their earthly story will we join them in their bliss. One by one their seats were empty. One by one they went away. Now the circle has been broken. Will it be complete one day? You can picture happy gatherings around the fireside long ago. You can think of tearful partings when they left you here below. Will the circle be unbroken? By and by. D.L. Moody was closing a meeting in Chicago one day, and a man got up from the back and said, could I say a word before we close? And Moody said, come on. He came down here. Here's what he said. I grew up in a Christian home. My mother and daddy were Christians. Many times at the family altar, they would urge upon me the claims of Christ, but I was stubborn, wouldn't listen. And daddy got sick, and he died. After the funeral, my mother asked me to take Daddy's place at the family altar, and I said I wouldn't do it. 
I'd come home at night and hear her praying, praying for me. I hear some sobs of tears coming out of her bedroom. And I thought, I want to get away from this. I can't take it. So I left home and went to a distant city, make a living, make some money. While I was there, a word came that mother was sick. And I thought, I'll go home and try to cheer my lonely mother. And the word came, then the thought came, if I go, I'll have to take my mother's God. I'm not going to go. His heart got harder. Then word came, your mother's dying. If you ever expect to see her again, you better come quickly. I got on the fastest coach I could get on, went down to that little country place. Got off of transportation, had to walk a little bit out to the farm, past the country churchyard. That's where my daddy was buried. Went in and stood by my daddy's grave. And I looked, there was a new grave there. I knew it was the grave of my mother. I knelt down that night and gave myself to my mother's God. And then he said, if there's anybody here that has somebody that cares for you, don't wait. Come immediately to Christ. I want to ask you, do you love enough, do you care enough to love differently, to live differently, to go differently, to stick by the stuff in your Sunday school teaching and work, to go as a soul winner, to be faithful in living for Christ, to be faithful in prayer. Let's close our eyes in prayer a moment, please. With our eyes closed and heads bowed. I'm saying, for you I am praying. I have a Savior to plead in glory. Dear loving Savior, the earth's friends be few. Now, listen carefully a moment. I wonder how many in this room, even right now before the music starts, you have somebody you care about, somebody you'd like to see saved, and you'd be willing to come to this altar and just stand here and pray a few minutes for that one. Either kneel or stand because you care. And then you're coming, you're saying, I have somebody that I care about. I don't want to see them lost. I want to ask God to help me do what I can to bring them to Jesus. You just get up and come and stand here now if you have somebody like that on your heart. music will begin to play quietly. For you I'm praying. For you I'm praying. I'm praying for you. And many have come. I have my eyes closed. I don't see who's here, but God sees it. He knows what's in your heart. He knows the concern you have. Would you just right now pray, oh God, Put that burden on my heart day and night. Help me to care like the Savior cares, like God cares, like the Holy Spirit cares, like those over in the glory care. And Lord, I pray that you could use me to help influence them to Christ. 
Help me not to give up. Help me not to quit. I'll do what I can to bring folks to Jesus. Now while we continue praying, I ask Brother Lloyd to sing that song. I have a Savior, he's pleading in glory. Your loving Savior, the world's friends be few. You have somebody on your heart, pray for them now. And would you, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never come to Christ, you just get up and join these, come up here, so I want to give my heart to Christ. I don't want to be lost, I want Jesus as my Savior.